Welcome. Welcome to Champions for NorCal Kids, a podcast designed to highlight the great champions and work of the youngest members of our community in Northern California. Join us, First Five Shasta Director Wendy Dickens and First Five Tehama Director Heidi Mendenhall as we discuss topics that are focused on children ages zero to five and of course their families. Our goal is to inspire, empower, and cultivate a sense of community filled with hope and connection. Welcome everybody. We are here today and I know I say it a lot, but this time it is super true and we're going to talk a little bit about other podcasts. We're going to talk about, you know, the education of our county and we have Mike Freeman and I'm so honored to have him because he is a podcast extraordinaire and if you ever listen to his podcast, you'll probably never listen to mine. So I don't know if I actually want to talk about uh, your podcast, but no, I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for coming on. Wendy, that is uh, super flattering and completely false. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be on with you. I, I jumped at the chance. I, I love the work that you do. I'm actually uh, excited about some of the work that uh, that's putting us together and getting to know yeah. you and uh, any chance that we can uh, get together and build a community. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Exactly. I think, you know, what's so um, interesting is you have quite a um, plethora of things on your plate right now, um, you know, for lack of a better word, but I think, you know, it's just very holistic as far as how you're approaching the work that has to happen in the community, the best support, you know, kids in school and, uh, you know, the educational system and really building the resilience we need to build, right? Because kids are not born with resilience. They, we build it and we all pathway, know, right? Pathway. Yeah. yeah. Pathway. And we know that, um, you know, really, the school is the crux of that a lot of times. And, you know, when I have ever, when I worked for child welfare and I talked to a kid about like, well, who do, can you go to that isn't in your home? If something happened, it was always a teacher, you know, or the custodian or the front desk person or, you know, and they could give me their name and they could tell me, you know, when they could go up there and talk to them or the librarian. A lot of times it was a librarian actually at the school. So I think it's just really, um, important work that you're doing at, at the school. So, you know, what are some of the things that are exciting you right now with what you're doing at Shasta County Office of Education? Yeah, well, uh, Shasta County Office of Education is a relatively new gig for me, um, but it is exciting to be able to, like, if you think about it, you're exactly right. Everyone goes to the school, right? Everyone reaches out to the school for, for help. And uh, the question is, who do the schools reach out to? Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's great to be able to step into that space and be part of that. Uh, let me call Mike and let me see if let me see if Scoy might be able to help us out. And really where we're trying to be, you know, uh, working with my amazing team here, uh, we're trying to be that support. We're trying to be that. Uh, we joke around like, hey, Alexis, hey, Siri, like, hey, Scoey. Right. Reaching out. Right. Yeah. I think I just turned on my, my Siri. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I do? The idea is to be that person, right. Or to be that group. And I, I, I think it's funny how COVID and just how this experience has got us rethinking things and changing our minds about things. And when I first came on to uh, the SCOE team, I actually remember I was at a retreat and I shared a poster of the Avengers. Right. I and I was that. like, I just feel like I joined the Avengers. Right. And maybe I'm that guy that like, doesn't bring anything to the party, but a bow and arrow, right? Like, like who's that well, guy? Hawkeye's pretty amazing. Okay, Hawkeye's amazing. Hawkeye's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like, I felt like I had joined this, this, this team of heroes. But as we've gone through this, uh, we've recently had the conversation, you know what, the schools are the heroes. Yeah. And in the story, 
the classic story of the hero, the hero has a guide, right? The hero has a support. And I think that the opportunity to work for Shasta County Office of Education has given me a chance to be that guide, to be the support, that. right? And even better to help parents be the hero in the school story, right? Yeah. So then the school's the guide and not like, hey, families, come to the school and get all your problems solved. No, like, hey, school, work alongside the family to solve problems together. I mean, it's just been lots of things causing me to change my mind about things, right? But that's been one of the big, the big uh, blessings of being part of Team Scoy. What is so powerful about what you just said is around the guide, right? Like we, we all need support. And I think that's one of the things for the community that, you know, societally, we kind of got to this place where you're not supposed to ask for help. You're not supposed to ask for support. However, we know that that wasn't the way that we lived for most of the time that we've been here on earth. We all had support of our families who lived near us. We lived in, you know, tight knit communities. Multi-generational, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so when we started getting to this place where you're supposed to do it on your own and people started to falter, and then it became like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We needed to come back together and figure out ways to now again, assist them. And I think what you just said around like SCOE helps guide the schools who help guide the parents to empower parents, that empowerment is so important and, and really is going to be the most impactful because like you said, if you have a kid, you're going to be involved in some form of school and education, right? Whether, yeah, you know, yeah, it's charter absolutely. or whatever it is, right? So yeah, I hate to I hate to hit you with like a super boring quote, but this is right on the cork board at my work, right? Here we go. As much as the United States is a place that lives on a narrative of rugged individualism, rugged individualism never got a barn raised, right. never got a field cleared, never got a schoolhouse built. And everybody who's grown up in small town America in a rural part of the country, in a conservative district or state, knows that the mythology of the lone cowboy figuring it all out by himself is just that. It's pure myth that the only good things that have happened have happened because people came together in a way where they took responsibility for each other and with each other. Like I, that gets me emotional. I know. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got goosebumps. That gets me, that gets me fired up. And that's the work, right? The work is, and, and that has been one of the changes, right? Where districts in the past in Shasta County, there's 26 school districts, right? So that's a wide spectrum of like, we got this or I don't have this. And so the beautiful thing is, is in this crisis of COVID, right? That quote, never, never waste a good crisis. People have realized they need each other. People have realized community partners, like working closely with first five and, and, and building new models is the way to get out of this. And the cool thing is when this is done and gone, those models will be there. Exactly. Right? That mindset that mindset will be there of, of community, not lone cowboy. Cowboys right. are cool. Yeah, right? totally. <laughs> Love seeing them. And they do a great job out on the ranch. And they do but a they great also job. Don't work alone out on the ranch. I mean, right. rarely have them be alone. Like they, you know, have teams of it within their horse, you know. Well, try try raising a barn by yourself, right? Exactly. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna do it. It's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. I, such a great, I do think that quote is amazing and it did give me chill bumps and you have an amazing team that actually 
is such a support to families. You know, you mentioned it earlier that you, you're a part of an amazing team. And I totally agree because I get to work a lot with a part of your team. And, you know, the wonderful thing is that they truly embody team and community because they really do want everyone to feel like they can be a part of the solution and a part of how we make that more, um, a community event, right? And how we then can help then the youngest members of our community. Because of course, yeah. first five have to make sure that people understand, like if we don't start this when families are really young in their lives, when that baby's born, then it's even more difficult as they move through that, you know, their life, but also through the academic career that they are going to need to be successful later on in our community. Um, well, we're so in this I, great, we're in this great place. Like one of the, again, one of the things that I've changed my mind about is I remember being a high school, I was a high school teacher, right? I taught Spanish. And, uh, and then I was thinking, I'm going to get into administration. And then I got into high school administration. I was going to be, I just love the idea of high school. I love the idea of being there, right? Sending them off into the world, and I remember thinking, man, this is the best. And then a middle school opportunity opened up, right? Frank Adelman called me. I was like, hey, Mountain View Middle School, check it out. And I was like, ah, oh, Frank, I'm a, I'm a high school guy. I don't do, I don't do middle school. Don't give me middle school. Don't give me middle school. And then, and then an opportunity to work at a K-8 opened up. And then a preschool, you get into preschool. And then you start realizing, wait a minute, some of our best teaching right? Some of our best teaching, some of the most impactful, some of the most important work. We all know if you can get a kid reading by third grade, boom, we're right? locked in. We're locked in. Right. And if we don't, we have an uphill climb the rest of the way. And so it's beautiful to see how my career has allowed me to get into this kind of this early, early education space. But now the state is really kind of going all in like, hey, early education matters. Hey, this universal stuff, this access to preschool, this access to experiences before we get into kindergarten. That's exciting. Pretty cool. Yeah. I think that, you know, not to get at all political because that's, this isn't about politics, but whether or not you like the governor and what he's done, the one thing I can say that I'm the most happy about is the fact that there's some money going into early education. And, you know, there's been a lot of lip service in the past about understanding and acknowledging the importance of brain development early in life, but nothing ever happened to really show that we supported that theory and that research. I mean, it's not just a theory. There's a lot of brain research out there. There's a lot of you know, data that shows and indicates, just like you said, if you're not at third grade reading level, you're not going to be as successful as your peers that are at third grade reading level. Yeah. And you start, you have to start early. And so the money that's coming toward early education is well deserved. And you really have to have a special skill set to work in a preschool. I worked in preschools. I loved it. I love littles. But you do, especially if you're not going to tear a kid down and you're going to build them up the right way. And sometimes, you know, they test your patience more than a high school student will. Like I, it's just in your have a lot of little ones that are like not they don't keep, you know, still for very long. Right. And they don't keep their attention for very long. So you got to be very creative, too. So it is super exciting. And I when think it's a true upstream mo movement. Right. right? Like we're struggling in this third grade, fourth grade. It's like, well, what if we go upstream? Right. right? Which what I say all the time. I'm like, let's go upstream to find out what is poisoning the fish instead yeah, right. of waiting right. to pull them out of the river once they're dead. Yeah. 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 I love, I love that. And I, I think that uh, working at Shasta County Office of Education has put me in some cool spaces to work with people that are so driven to improve systems. 
your your team, uh, SCOE team, district teams, simply trying to be better. Yeah. Right. And really getting into a systems approach, not something, not something gimmick, not something that's going to be over in a month. Right. But like what at a system level can we do to improve things that that's the work that's exciting. Right. And, and, you know, when you say systems, you're talking truly about all the things that integrate into making something successful, right? So when, with the system, it's a huge system, right? You're talking about not only working toward, you know, each grade level, but also how are we supporting parents? How are we supporting teachers? How are we supporting, you know, all of the different realms that go into making up the healthy child, the healthy individual going through the system um, that is called education, right? So it's, people don't realize how complex it gets, right? In order to have a a healthy foundation for a kid, it's not just about, you know, reading to them. They also have to have good nutrition. They also have to have sleep. They also have, and teachers really do have to have a lot of skills and are asked to do a lot. And, you know, it is important that the system supports them through all of this too, with getting them you know, up to speed on things, having, you know, time for them to get, you know, education or, you know, self-care or whatever the case might be. Yeah. But I mean, one of the things that I believe in, like, I believe it, and I've stood in front of rooms to let people know that I believe it is uh, the best answer is a simple one. And while the system is crazy complex, there's been Harvard research that shows the single greatest indicator for for, for achievement, right? For success in students, in school and beyond is not socioeconomic, is not level of college of parent, it's frequency of eating at the dinner table. Right? Isn't let that, that, let that settle, about right? about relationships, right? Yeah. yeah. It's Magic about silver bullet in a super complex system. Hold on, you're telling me, Mike, that all that the number one indicator is how often families get together at a dinner table. Think about that. Like, think about what that what that says about the stability of that home or their priorities, right? Their or priorities, like, sure, think yeah. of the vocabulary development, think of the, the power of story and the connections and the nutrition, right? Of course, in my home, sometimes it's like chicken shack at the, fa- at the family dinner table. <laughs> okay, but- well, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, but so, that's so, it's a so silver true. bullet, right? Sometimes we can overcomplicate things. And it's like, man, if we can communicate and partner with parents, the parent is, if we're in the kid business, the person closest to the kid is has the information we need. Who's the closest to the kid? The parent. The parent's the expert. Every time they exactly. walk into an IEP, every time they walk into a parent conference, what do the systems do to honor the expertise that that parent brings into that space about their own kid? And I think sometimes we can improve there. I agree. I completely agree. I think there's other systems that need to take that advice and often forget that and need to improve in that as well. The parent is always, regardless of how you may feel their parenting skills are, they are still the expert about their own child. They know more about their child because they live with their child and they're with their child all the time. You know, I think the other piece to eating at the table is making sure your kids don't have their devices with them at the table. Oh, please. So, you know, please. it's... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm in this world. I'm in this weird world where, uh, so tonight's senior night for my last kid, right? He's, uh, he plays, plays basketball for a high school team here in town. And so like, I'm in this weird spot where I got empty nesters staring at me. Yeah. Right. And it's like, somehow I remember saying, there's no way my kid's phone is going to be nicer than me nicer than mine. Right. And, <laughs> and sure enough, like, I don't know what happened, but 
He's got a nicer phone than me. But you, you really have to hold, the, I mean, there's some lines there that are constantly being challenged, right? As parents, like, how are we present? Do we have eye contact with our kids, right? Are we off our phones? Because parents that have, you know, nine hours of screen time a day have kids that have nine hours of screen time a day. So yep. we really have, that's a struggle. That's a struggle. Yeah, for sure. All right. I want to hear a little bit about your podcast. Tell me about your podcast. It sounds amazing and wonderful from what I have heard. Okay. hundred percent selfish venture, right? So like I've got a buddy, uh, me and Tyler Gould, Tyler Gould used to live here in Reading. Uh, he's a marketing guy. He moved down to, uh, Chula Vista and, uh, we used to kick it around, like starting a blog. Right. And the, the blog was about being better husbands, being better, uh, dads. And it's in the spirit of George Bailey. So love, hate, there's a love, hate. It's a pretty polarizing thing. This movie called it's a wonderful life. Right. But we believe that there's a lot of amazing lessons that come from the life of George Bailey. Now it's not like we we're just two dudes to sit around and talk about a Christmas movie all year long. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But we have, we have taken it upon ourselves to uh, live with eyes wide open to who might be able to teach us something about life. You know, we come across these people that have it figured out. They don't have it all figured out. It's not polished. It's not perfect, but they have their priorities, right? You know, the beautiful thing about George Bailey is his life is a wreck. Right? Yeah. His life is a wreck, but nothing changes. But his perspective shifts right. in a moment. There's a moment where he's on a bridge and he says, I want to live again. And he goes back to the drafty house, back to the kids, right? Back to the, I don't have $8,000 yes. and everything is different. And so the idea is, can we talk to people that can help us find those things in our life that we might be able to maybe levers, right? That we can push to, to be better, to be more present, to, to have our stuff together, right? In the middle of craziness, because we're, I'm not going to lie. Like it's not a dog and pony. It's. We, I mean, we talked to somebody who the day they came on the show, we talked to him because he's a family man. And he said, yeah, I just filed divorce. Mm-hmm. And so we sat with him, yeah. right? We sat with him through that. It's like, talk to me about that. What, what does that experience teach you so that I might be able to take that and, you know, come home with some flowers every once in a while or something. Right. I know. Or just remember, like it takes, does take some effort and work, um, even as busy as lives can be for relationships to be successful. And, you know, I think everyone has this due to media and due to, you know, television shows and like, you know, relationships are just easy and they're supposed to flow a certain way. And that's not, not. and the cool thing. So I don't know at the end of the movie, uh, George Bailey's little brother, the war hero, Harry Bailey comes in and he raises the glass and says to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. And we know he's not right. In fact, Potter's the richest man in town and nobody likes that guy. Right. He's his life is full of friends. His life is is full of purpose and values. Um, and, And that's what that's what it's about. So we call the show the richest man in town. We do talk to women and men. So uh, I, I think that that was, um, that was something we reached out to our first female guest and they're like, well, hold on. You want me to be on a show called the richest men in town? It's like, yeah, well, this, is, this, is, this is what it's Ignore about. The so, title, okay? you know, yeah, it was a COVID project. We started talking on a weekly basis. We actually started with our core group of buddies. That way we can figure things out. 
Um, and, and now we're and now, you know, I think it drops every Monday night, it drops in 62 countries and, and our right. number two country is Kenya right now. Isn't that amazing? Wow. The internet's amazing. Right. It and is. it's just kind of it cool. Is. And, and, uh, you know, we're big in Ireland and we've talked to, and the amazing thing about it is we've made friends virtually with people we don't know because right. it started with our buddies. And then it maybe it was a Reading friend of mine or a Chula Vista friend of his, and then it becomes friends of a friend. Right. And so like, uh, in fact, Friday, the 18th, Tyler Gould is going to be in town and we're setting up a pizza party. He's going to meet like 20 guests that he's never met in person, but he would go to war with because of the relationships we've, we've built talking to them about life. Life's amazing, right? It's a mess. Parenting's a mess. We don't know what we're doing, but <laughs> no. And you, kids when, don't come with a little instruction book. I don't they care what don't. <laughs> they don't. And when you, and, and we have our own things, right? right. Like, I, I never met my dad. So like, I don't know what being a dad is like, right? right? I got some TV examples. I got some friend examples. I've got some literary examples, but like, I think the idea is that when you want, when you're curious, mm -hmm. when you're curious about someone else and you truly believe that maybe they're holding something in their life experience that can help you in yours, like that's it, right? Sit down with somebody. You don't have to have a podcast, sit down with somebody at Starbucks and just say, Hey, talk to me. I'm struggling with this thing. And I admire you seem to have that thing figured out. Talk to me. And here's the amazing thing. You, they're, they're sitting in a place where they may have something figured out. They're there because at one point they didn't have it figured out. Right. A lot of people that we admire, man, I love that about you. The strength that you have, the strength that you admire at one point was a weakness, right? They just worked on it. Oh yeah. I think that's such a, you know, you know, you've said so many wonderful things. I can't even capture all of it, <laughs> but it is true. Like, you know, one of the things that we've done several times during the podcast is have, you know, different guests talk about being a dad, like talk about how that looks for them in this society. I, you know, I, I feel like sometimes society hasn't given permissions to dad to be as close to their kids as moms, right? Like because the mom carried the child in the womb, there's this expectation that only the mom is supposed to be close to the child or that the mom has different feelings for their child. And, and knowing having worked in adoptions and worked in, a, you can have just as close a feeling to somebody who didn't come from your womb, right? You don't have a womb, so we can't come from your womb, right? So dads are important. And you know what I tell families who may be made up differently, maybe it's a grandma, mm -hmm. um, an aunt, or a, a you know, same-sex couple that are raising children, that they family's should find. family, right? Family's family. And yeah. you find though the opposite sexed person to be in there as a role model, right? Like you said, I didn't have a dad. So I had to, I had to find I had an amazing single mom. Shout out to all the single moms out there yes. or single dads. Yeah. Single parenting is hard, but you know, again, the village. I had an amazing yeah. childhood. And uh I, I had my mom was my baseball coach, my mom was my dead mom, you know. <laughs> so like she was she was everything. Yeah. Um, so it's possible and resilience yeah, totally. and pathways, right? But I think really it comes down to like intentionality, like mm -hmm. presence. Shout out to uh Brian Beasley. Brian Beasley is a is a guidance counselor at Shasta high school. And he's, he's been on the podcast friend of mine. And he says, every time you don't have an intentional conversation with your kids, you miss that opportunity. Every yeah. time you're not planning out, if you've got a kid in a car for an hour, if you got a kid in a car for half an hour, how can you deepen your relationship with intentionality? Cause it's not going to organically happen. 
right? If my son and I are in a car, we're going to talk NBA hoops. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about everything but those deep things that really matter. Another podcast guest taught me when he gets his car, when he gets his kid in the car, it's like, you want to talk about, you know, he talks, he's got his son in the car. You want to talk about girls of the galaxy. I love that. I pick love your, that. Pick your topic, but pick we're going to talk. Topic and we're going to talk. <laughs> I, um, I have forced my children a couple of times and people, you know, there's different, differing opinions on this. And so you can, you can weigh in. Um, so we were at Disneyland, um, or, you know, magic mountain and we're standing in line and, you know, a topic we're just kind of, you know, doing what you said, like, where we're just kind of just shooting the breeze and, you know, they'll say something that like triggers me to think we need to have a deeper conversation. <laughs> and so we will right there in line, like, Oh, you know what? That's why we don't use drugs. Like, drugs are not good for you or this is why we you know find contraceptives if we are going to decide to have um you know sex before we should be a parent and you know this is you know so um and some people you know kind of look at me shocked and i'm like you have to pick those opportunities if you never have the conversation then it will never i mean if you wait forever you're it's just not going to happen so yeah and shout out to shout out to my wife because i think that we handle those situations differently Yes. And a yes. lot of times I'll get some feedback. And honestly, parenting is just like everything, right? We need feedback. We need to yeah. have, we can't just be in an echo chamber where it's like, no, we're the best ever. We're not the best ever. And, and the beautiful thing is, is you can make it right. Right. right? You can screw it up. You can screw up the exchange and then you can come back with love and make it right and, and, and fix things. Cause I am like a overreactor, right? When those topics come up, I'm like, you know, like I'm in there. Or and and versus backing up, right? And and really having an opportunity to listen to kids. I got a good friend who told me when they're high school, wait till late at night, right? They won't talk, they won't talk, and then 10 o'clock, 10 30 something kicks in and they just start spamming away. I know you're like ready for bed because we're old. But yeah, no, yeah. it's true. I know that that's when their brains like, you know, that's why it's so yeah. hard for kids when school starts so early at 730, because they're just now starting to get their wind at like 10. Oh, yeah, it's like a zombie, right? He's yeah. just going yeah. through the motions. And now, yeah, 1030, 11 o'clock at night, you get you get what's really going on. What a wonderful, you know, I just want to highlight like listening, listening to your kids is so equally important and apologizing when you need to apologize, you know, or going in and, and showing them the love, even when you've had to have a really difficult conversation. Um, so important to their abilities later in life, right? Like they, you're modeling to them how they should be reacting to the world and how they should have relationships. Um, and so that's just a oh, powerful man. Yeah, Wendy, you're baiting me there because modeling is a topic you can spend hours on, right? But like they're watching, they're watching they how mom reacts, they're watching how dad reacts, they're actually watching how mom loves dad, yeah. right? Or that family love, whatever that looks like, they're they're watching it, and that is you can say whatever you want to say. They're watching what's happening, right. they're watching your actions, they're watching what's going on, and that modeling is so so important. And you think about the modeling that has helped you become who you are. Right. Right. Maybe that was a parent. Maybe that was a, a mentor, but like you watch somebody and you incorporated in and said, that's what a successful fill in the blank looks like. I'm going to model and I'm going to pick up and do those things. And, and that's, that, that's just as important when we're working with kids. And it's like, it's like a multi-step math problem, right? If you mess up on the first or second step, you, know, you can't just plow through and expect to get the right answer. If you're working with your kid and you messed up on Monday, you got to be 
aware that Friday is not going to be right. Right. You got to go back. You You got to go go back. back. (laughs) You got to go back. And the crazy thing is, is we think in life, we've got tomorrow to fix things when we all know people that ran out of tomorrows, right? We all know that you got to go back and you got to, you got to, you got to make things right. Right. And there's some courage there. There's some courage, some vulnerability to walk in and you're the adult. You're supposed to have it figured out. And you walk in and you say, Hey, that thing screwed that one up. Yeah. I did that wrong. Talk about that. I'm going to commit right here, right now to, to be better, right? You deserve better. I'm not perfect. I've learned a lesson. We only learn through pain. Really? Let's be honest. (laughs) Oh, why? Why? No, (laughs) that is true. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to check out the links in the podcast or go to our websites, www.firstfivechasta.org or www.firstfivetehema.org for any additional information, resources, or needs. You can also directly email either of us, Wendy at W-D-I-C-K-E-N-S at F-I-R-S-T-5 s-h-a-s-t-a dot org or Heidi at h-m-e-n-d-e-n-h-a-l-l at f-i-r-s-t five p-e-h-a-m-a dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you'll join us again. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make the difference in building resiliency. Will you be that person? <laughs>